This is the EPLOG audio experience. Film is clearly a sophisticated art, possibly the most important art of the 20th century with a rather complex history of theory and practice, writes James Monaco in his book How to Read a Film. So far in our podcast, The Artists, we have had filmmakers, writers, critics, programmers from some of the top film festivals, musicians, thinkers, defining their combinatorial skills. We at Metaphysical Lab have been striving to expand the realm of our podcast, which in turn gives a wider uh, canvas to the understanding of our experiences. And also we have tied up with Epilogue Media, the podcasting network. So you can find us on their website, Epilogue Media slash The Artist. And of course, you can continue to listen to us on the platforms that you choose from Apple Podcasts to Spotify to GeoSavon to Google Podcasts. Everything is mentioned in the description. And of course, you can reach us uh, on the WhatsApp number and our email ID. I'm your host, Suchita, and I'm looking forward to a wonderful journey ahead with all of you. What are the kind of stories that you're going to say? Is it going to be 90 minutes? Is it going to be six hours plus series? Is it going to be a documentary format? Or is it going to be like TikTok series? Or is it going to be in a blink of an eye, five seconds? That brings me to the book Blink by Malcolm Gladwell that I absolutely love and I'm sure a lot of you guys have read it. It's about the power of thinking without thinking where you can take a small amount of data and draw conclusions using your experience and your intuition. But then the experience could be primed is something that we need to really think about. So I came across this beautiful print ad that was floating on the internet and it came on my timeline. So this was this guy riding a bike, a Harley Davidson, through this lush, beautiful place, which I now come to know is called Montana. And the copy of the ad went like this, that somewhere on an airplane, a man is trying to rip open a small bag of peanuts. And that was so dreamy. And I was like, oh my God, this is beautiful. And who must have created this piece of work? And I bumped into the copywriter, the creative director of this ad, Jim Nelson, And uh, I asked him if he would like to come on our podcast and uh, tell us various things. So, which one being that, you know, creating or telling a story in an instant, which gets conveyed in like five seconds. Also writing for a brand, also breaking through the clutter, also breaking through your own writer's block, also getting inspired, but at some point developing your own style. So all this and much more coming in this conversation just for you guys. Enjoy. Hi, Jim. Welcome to our podcast, The Artist. And thank you for joining in and thank you for taking out time. And of course, uh, we have spoken a bit on uh, the Harley Davidson uh, print ad that we saw floating on the internet since days. And it's such a beautiful piece of work, which you had done, I think, quite some time back. So uh, how does it feel when it's resurfaced? Uh, that's actually pretty interesting because, um, you know, I hadn't really been thinking about it that much. <laughs> you know, you kind of move on. Yeah. Um, but that I was that that was like 2005. Up. Yeah, probably yeah. somewhere in in that in okay. that okay. time frame. 
Um, but yeah, I kept seeing it resurface. Yeah. Mainly on LinkedIn, I'd see it popping up all the time. And <laughs> it seemed like there were a lot of um, younger people uh-huh. who were, you know, writing or, you know, they were going back and finding, um, you know, work from the past that was inspiring to them. So here you're telling this beautiful piece of work with a brand like Harley woven in it. How do you tell a story when you are also selling something? What makes uh, a really great piece of work, whether Mm. it's an advertisement or a film, um, is it's based on a real, true, you know, human feeling and emotion, right? Right. Um, Films are that way. And the best of advertising is that way. Um, when that ad came out, you know, it was a, a very good ad. Um, but there were tons of advertisements uh, coming out in those times that um, were as good, if not better, than that one. Um, made by people all over the U.S. and, and also all over the world. Um, it was it was really a craft, and people really worked hard on on print advertising at the time. Um, and if you go back and study, you know that work from, uh, especially in in print, when you know clients were relying on print to uh, get their brands out there, um, most of the great ones are based on just a real simple you know, human truth and emotion. Hmm. Um, And that's what you try to get to. Right. Are there any specific components that you keep in mind as a, you know, as a copywriter, as a creative director? You know, you you always start with uh, the audience, I think. Okay. You know, and Mm -hmm. when you're doing a, when you're doing an advertisement, um, you have a pretty specific audience in mind. Um, and you, you know, what we try to do for a lot of brands, I mean, it doesn't work for every brand, uh, but Harley is a very good, uh, example of it where, you know, it's a certain mindset of a person who, whether they're young or old or, you know, there's a lot of people in India who ride Harleys. There's people all over the world. Right. Um, but they all have as different as they are they all kind of share a common mindset and way of looking at the world. And so when we write Harley Davidson work, um, we as Harley Davidson, you know, Harley Davidson shares that mindset, um, with, with the audience and it's about freedom and it's about independence and it's about, uh, being an individual and, you know, going on great adventures, right? right? And so the way I always talk about it is, um, you know, you're trying to, for a brand like Harley, you're kind of trying to create this this philosophical alignment with the kind of people who who buy your product currently and then finding the new people out there who kind of share that same mindset. So you kind of keep that in mind. Um, and then you have, you know, 
brands have different personalities and you kind of got to dial in, uh, you know, uh, dial in the voice for, for the, the personality of the brand. You know, some brands might be a little, you know, more high end and elegant. Some brands might be a little more humorous. Some brands might be a little more, you know, down to earth and, and plain spoken. Um, which is kind of where we tried to stay with, with Harley Davidson is just like simple human truths, you know, told in a very simple, straightforward way with just a little bit of, of attitude, but not, not having a big chip on your shoulder or trying to be too much of a tough guy. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what. You mentioned, Jim, um, in your blog post as well about inspiration and you took the example of Jimmy Page. You were watching a documentary on Zeppelin and you you mentioned that how Jimmy Page was inspired by uh, Link Ray's Rumble and how he used to sort of copy every note of the music and that's where the inspiration came to him and he is literally, you know, it must have sort of seeped into the rest of the music that they created. So... Tell me about a creative person looking for inspiration and getting inspired and how much of that inspiration does a creative person take and then develop their own style? Well, I think, you know, <laughs> the reason I, I made that analogy is hmm. if I try to play guitar and... Yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not that good at it. Yeah. Um, but I really, really love and respect um, great guitar players. And so I've, I've, in my course of learning, you know, how to play the guitar, um, I studied a lot of people and read a lot of stories about them. Hmm. And, you know, if you go back to those days, that's what everybody did. And if you think about you know, filmmakers like, uh, Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. You know, he worked, at, he worked in a video store. Right. He watched every single video that, I mean, he was watching videos 24 hours a day and he wasn't just watching like popular movies. He was watching B movies and horror movies and everything. And I think, you know, I don't speak for him, but it feels like, you know, he just took all of those movies that he watched and, you know, just like a guitar player who takes all of those pieces of music that he loves. Um, so he took all those pieces of all those pieces of video that 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 excited him when he was watching a mo watching movies. Right. Right. Um, and some of them come from weird movies that no one's ever seen. Um and it feels like if you watch his movies, all of those influences um, that he got when he was working in the video store all came to together to create a style, um, you know, unlike any other, unlike any other movie director. And, and I feel like, you know, for a lot of people, when you're first starting out, you don't really know what you're doing. I mean, some people start out and they just you know, hit the ground running right, right off the bat. Um, but a lot of people, it takes more practice. And I think what happens is, 
you know, as as you do that, you kind of develop your own taste, and that's part of it is is knowing what's good and what isn't, and knowing what what you like and what you don't don't like, and then it's you know developing the confidence to to do it your own way and, and put it out there. Um, but it doesn't come from from nowhere. Uh, every every piece of creative is built on something else. I feel like, you know, some of the frustration with, uh, in advertising with, with what's going on right now is, mm-hmm. you know, these things come and go so fast that there's not really a body of work that's built, built up that everybody can kind of, you know, it doesn't evolve to the point where it can get, get great because it's gone before, that even starts it's like you know when's the last time you heard anybody talking about vine videos now it's all tiktok you know how is it yeah. you know so it's like over the course of you know evolution of the internet um it's hard to point to this great body of work that's been built up other than a few things you know here or there that are kind of like come and go mm-hmm. um, Hmm. Do, do, you, do, you, do, you, do, do you say that the passion could be like, you know, just uh, fading away? Do you say that, you know, people are becoming weary because, you know, you also mentioned the offices, and I've seen this my own, with my own eyes, the offices being stacked from floor to ceiling, you know, with, with, you know, the best advertising work of the last 20 years and people were so, people are so passionately working. And when we have the TikToks and we have this clutter of content, do you see that we are somewhere losing out on, you know, as you mentioned, creating some great work, even thinking about it? Well, I think there's just a, a whole combination of things. Um, you know, part of it is just time, um, mm-hmm. time to spend to do something great versus, you know, crank something out as fast as you can because you've got, you know, 75 other things on the list of deliverables that you have to make for any particular uh, ad campaign you're working on. You don't have time to do it. Um, I feel like, you know, since the holding companies took over, uh the ad industry um you know they just want to make a factory that that turns out stuff as as fast as they can and i also feel like um (laughs) i don't Mm. know if i should say this but Mm. i i feel like the holding company model Mm. uh prefers a low-paid um anonymous, instantly replaceable uh, creative workforce Hmm. um, because that makes their cost of doing business as cheap as possible. Mm -hmm. And what about in terms of the storytelling then and now when when we talk about now, how does a creative person create something that's clutter breaking? How do you think? How do you, how do you, what kind of imagination, uh, you know, that you use? What kind, of, what kind of perception that you bring to the table to break through the clutter? Uh, besides, of course, the 30 second has gone up to like two minutes. In some cases. Well, yeah. 
I probably different people, you know, do do it in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. I kind of just, I just sort of grind away at it, um, mm-hmm. and that's kind of how I always did it. I just, uh, you know, sit down and I like to alternate between working with someone and and working by myself. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is you don't you don't always know. Anyone who tells you they always they always know mm-hmm. is wrong. Um, you know, it's like even if you like talk to or watch some things about musicians who've been working on an album and the hit song the song that they thought was going to be the big hit oftentimes was not and it was another song that they didn't really think was that great that when it, that that you know came out and took the world by storm um so you don't you you can't always judge everything until you see uh how people react to it mm-hmm. once it gets out in the world right um, right but, but 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 jim tell me not, not just sort of uh, taking this thought from you in terms of how people react to your work and of course uh, 2005 versus 2020 now we have the like buttons and the like buttons can be uh, you know uh, lack of a better word can be manipulated as well uh, do you see that you know something that becomes popular out there is necessarily something that's of a high quality content that you would like to be associated with uh well <laughs> i think some <laughs> things are and and some things aren't you know right um but it's always been that way i mm-hmm. i can't remember how long ago it was but it was before the internet um was <laughs> was was really going Do you remember the Macarena song? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Remember the Macarena? Yes, yes. It was terrible. <laughs> But every time you turned on the radio it was on. Right? Yes, yes. So there's a lot of terrible things that become popular. Um <laughs> I tend to like things that uh I don't know. I I tend to like things that that are a little a little hit people a little deeper than that i i guess i'd put it that way it has a little more soul to it mm-hmm. um and sometimes that can become popular and but you know a lot of times when you're doing ads sometimes you're trying to become you know popular with everyone in the world or well known and other times you're trying to hit a very specific person uh with a really emotionally moving message and it doesn't matter if it's popular or not if it speaks to the the people that you're trying to reach for that brand. Mm-hmm. If you had to choose between popular and quality what would you choose? Uh <laughs> <laughs> I would choose to do if I always relate stuff back to music. I would choose to do uh Cashmere by Led Zeppelin versus the <laughs> Macarena. <laughs> If I had the choice. Right. Right. Macarena right. was way more popular, but when I listen to Cashmere, I'm just like, how yeah. did they ever invent this? Right. Right. Tell me, tell me Jim in terms of, you know, these um 
these uh, TikTok videos, Instagram videos, I would say more of TikTok, where you have the you have been empowered to create and content about your own self and people love to watch them. Do you think as a creator, it's sort of it's sort of it's 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 sort of setting a certain kind of bar and we cannot ignore it. Uh, I don't know if you agree with that or not in terms of even the culturally it's sort of creating a sort of culture which uh, I would not like to define anything at the moment. Do you see as a creative person uh, uh, you see that that's a competition for you when you go out and make your pitch? Uh. <laughs> you know, I actually the stuff that I've been working on lately, I don't really I don't really worry about that that much. Um mm. and I you know, I'm not a I haven't really paid I've kind of checked out TikTok a little bit, but um you know, there's been so much going on with everything mm. right now that yeah. I haven't really spent that much time thinking about it. Mm-hmm. I think it's fine. I think, you know, there might be there might be a few really great things that that are invented because of it, but like everything else there's just going to be a lot of terrible um video put up. But, you know, that's okay. I mean, that doesn't bother me. Um, And I think it's good. I mean, I was thinking about this a little bit this morning. It's like, it's giving people kind of a format or an idea to create in who maybe wouldn't be able to think of doing that on their own. but now they oh well this is kind of how you do a TikTok video so uh, I could do one of those and you know it's given some people a chance to to make something and see how how people react to it and you know millions of people are doing that and I think there's nothing wrong with that um, I don't quite know br- how brands are gonna gonna go in there without ruining the party <laughs> if you know what I mean <laughs> yeah yeah sure I mean that that's what needs to be figured out but um, mm-hmm. we'll see what happens we'll see if it's around you mm-hmm. know, a year from now it might be it might not be mm-hmm. remember when the Vine Vine came out it was like yeah, all everyone was talking about for six months was oh we gotta do Vine videos we gotta do Vine and then it just was gone I think you know some of these things have the potential to be a big fad like that you know you don't you don't want to be a fad because once a fad goes away it never comes back yes yes true that's true so so um, of course you said as you as you um, mentioned in the beginning that some of the new creators were trying to look for some inspirational work of the last decade and they found your work which means that they are they were looking for quality right it seems like yeah they were looking for something that that will inspire them 
well, that was like, this is what I want to do. I want to, yeah. you know, most people want to get more out of their work than a paycheck, you know, and they wanted to, they want to, you know, everybody wants to make something that they're proud of. Yes. And I feel like that's probably where if there's any frustration, um, it, most of it stems from the fact that people aren't doing enough work that they're they're really proud of. Mm, and true. That's true. They're not seeing enough stuff where they're like, oh man, I, I want to make something like that. Um, and I, I think that's probably probably where it starts. And, you know, now it's like, how do you take that kind of thing? You know, you can't, I mean, we get to make print ads every once in a while, but it's not, it's not a media um, like it used to be. But is there a way to take some of that, you know, thinking and craft and, and evolve it into, you know, what, what you're making this week? Right. Jim, you worked with a lot of brands. Tell me a couple of things that how does a creative, a storyteller become from good, become great? Well, I have a hard time saying that uh, I'm great, um, but it's practice. It's hard mm. work. You know, it's it, literally it's practice. I mean, if you spend every day you know, every working day, all day long, trying as hard as you can, um, you're eventually, if you don't give up, you're going to get pretty good at it. Um, and then it's just a matter of, you know, sometimes the, the planets have to align up. And, and when you're in advertising, there's the difference between what you can come up with versus what gets made. You know, mm -hmm. there's a lot of a lot of great work that never saw the light of day. Um, so, hmm. Sure, sure. Tell me, Jim. Now, just I'm going to be asking you a couple of questions, which are like quick questions, and see how you sort of feel about them. One being that, what do you do when you have the writer's block? The problem when you're ever having writer's block, the reason you're having it is because you're trying too hard to be perfect right off the bat. Mm. That's the simple, honest truth of writer's block. Um, what I do a lot is, and I've just really started doing this uh, since March when, when coronavirus hit and we're not at the office anymore. Right. Um, so... And I was working from home right. and, you know, there's really nothing to do. I couldn't go to the gym anymore. Right. Um, it was my gym closed. <laughs> so I decided to start walking. Um, I had to run a little bit, but just to like be outside, you know, for a couple hours a day, mm -hmm. I was walking about, you know, six to 10 miles every day which is like an hour, hour and a half, two hours for me, hmm. for writer's block. Yeah, I think that's a great answer. Not put, uh, not putting too much pressure on yourself right from the word yeah. go. Well, what, is it, what is some some of the creative work or uh, music or films or anything that you 
always go back to? It's just a lot of times what I go to isn't so much other work. It's mm. like remembering little things in my own life or little sometimes a little scene from a movie will pop into my head or something but it's more like like when I when I did that ad I mm. was stuck at the the day before I wrote that ad I took <laughs> I took and I was just working on a print campaign I took a whole legal pad and I made uh three rectangles on each side on each page of this legal pad and mm -hmm. each of those rectangles represented a, a two-page spread ad and i said i am going to fill up this whole legal pad with ideas today mm -hmm. so how, i don't know how many boxes there were but there are hundreds of boxes and i just did the whole legal pad filled it up and the next day I went back and I looked through the legal pad and there was not one good idea in that whole legal pad. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> um, so then I was like, well, all right. I just spent all day yesterday trying to write what it's like to ride a Harley, right? So then I'm like, all right, now I'm going to try and figure out what is the opposite feeling of riding a Harley and I thought about my own life and the thing I hated most in the world was being in the middle seat of an airplane <laughs> and for some reason whenever they gave you that little bag of peanuts yeah. I can never figure out how to rip the thing open <laughs> I think there's a certain way you gotta rip it and it was always hard to do and I was like that is the smallest you can feel and so that was, you know, thinking about little little things that happen in your own life or, you know, stuff that happened in your in your childhood or, you know, stories that other people have told or your subconscious will start to will start to make things pop up that that fit what you're trying to get across. Um but in a not so direct, linear, or off the strategy page way. Yeah, you just gotta let it come to you. Let you can't it come really to you. Force yes. it either. Yeah. Yeah. So everything's basically hidden inside you. Oh, the moments. Yeah. Don't get down on yourself. Hmm. Like a lot of people, if they filled up a whole legal pad and spent. Uh, and spent a whole day and went back the next day and they thought it was all terrible, they would go, oh, I'm such a horrible writer. I'm not creative. I, I suck, right? Mm. And that's your brain. That's part of your brain you got to fight. You just got to go, oh, yeah, none of that stuff was good. Let's try something else. And don't be so judgmental of whether you're good or not. You know, when I was starting out, the the very first mental hurdle that I tried to overcome was stop judging yourself. Stop thinking about whether you're a good writer or not. It doesn't matter. Just just write stuff because all of this stuff, you know, that's the negative voice in your head. That's actually all that voice can do is hold you back. Um, mm. So 
figuring out how to shut that voice up and let yourself fail without punishing yourself is is a really important thing that you have to you have to do and it doesn't come natural to everybody how do you know that you've created a timeless piece of work how do you know at that moment i don't <laughs> <laughs> i mean i honestly don't i mean the thing that Something, something, does something click inside you and you feel that, oh my God, you know, I can't believe this is what I've created? Uh, no, not for me. Mm. I, that might happen for other people. Mm. Um, it's very, like, I say this a lot. I say this to clients sometimes too, where they're like, well, what do you like? And I'm like, I don't know. I just did it yesterday, you know, and it's it's hard to explain but it's hard to have your own like when you're the one who made something it's hard to have good perspective on it unless you have the benefit of some time away from it mm -hmm. um and you know when you're hard on your own work you, you tend to see more of the flaws than the good parts um so for me, it takes it takes a while. And the other thing is, once you're done making something, this is especially true with film. Yeah, um, you're so tired of it, you can't even see it anymore. Yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You've watched that cut ten thousand times. <laughs> yeah. You know. You know, like every little pixel of the whole thing, and you can't get any surprise out of it. You can't get any. Uh, you know, you're just like, oh, I wish that little part would have been better. But if you wait a while and then go back and look at it, then you can go like, oh, yeah, that that actually is really good. But for me, it takes time. Um, uh, other people might might be a lot different than that, but mm -hmm. for me, it's uh, it, it takes time. And the one thing I will say is. When I get to the point where, and I, I don't always get to this point, but where I get to the point where I truly feel that something is really good to the point where I didn't care if, like, award show judged it, judges liked it or not, if I really was at the point of, this is a test of the judges, this show is a test. This piece of work is a test of the judges. The judges are not a piece of a test of this work. If I got to the point where I wasn't just saying that, where I truly felt it, mm -hmm. those things, those things always, always uh, turned out to be, you know, pretty well respected. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't happen. It didn't happen you know, four or five times a year, it happened less than that. Um, but those things always, uh, if, if you can really get to that point um, where you just know it's right, you know, it's but but but, but, right. but don't it's you think, but don't you think that, you know, some of the world's greatest filmmakers or painters or photographers or, for example, you know, Picasso or, for example, Richard Avedon or, for example, uh, you know, Tarantino or Scorsese, they would not know that 
they've created a masterpiece at some point a creator uh, would a creator never I think know they probably but I, yeah i'm not one of those i'm not one of those people you know um i think every time someone every time someone goes off to create a movie they always think there's I mean, maybe there's some big blockbuster things where they're like, oh, I'm just making a moneymaker here. Hmm. But every script a director shoots, they always think they're going to win an Academy Award at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, otherwise they wouldn't do it, right? And how hmm. many of those movies turn out to actually be where everything comes together? Because hmm. that's the other part of it. There's a lot of, especially it's true, it's true in commercials. Uh, you know, I never made a movie, but I assume that it's, you know, 50 million times truer in that where there's a certain amount of like chemistry and magic that has to happen um, when you're turning something from, you know, words typed on a piece of paper to a to a film or even a print ad. You know, the mm -hmm. photographer do a great job, you know, like when Jason was shooting that 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 shot in that that Harley ad we're talking about hmm. they four minutes of time when the light was right and the clouds were there and um, it was I think it was like 25 degrees out uh -huh. uh, the client and what was place was that it was in Montana mm. and and Jason was like nope we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. And then right, you know, at the last minute, you know, everything came together. And a lot of times, you know, that doesn't always happen. You know, you can mm. be on a, you can be on a shoot, you can go out there and it can be terrible rain, but not enough rain to cancel the shoot. And, you, you know, the weather's bad or, you know, the actors don't quite, have the right chemistry here so there's a lot of things that happen uh, in the course of of making s something that all that has to go right too absolutely um, absolutely and i think it's a timeless piece of think, work you know jim i mean if you have to create that recreate that now it would exactly be the same i think so without well know, that, all them that's what happens when you when you try to make something that's built on a a real human truth because mm. no mm. matter what happens with technology or any of that stuff mm. or what happens to culture the fundamental human truths mm. don't change they don't really change and um, that's why those pieces of work that are based on on those kinds of of truths you know they tend to they tend to last and harley was a great client for doing that um those types of messages because it really you know there's a lot of stereotypes what harley's about this that and the other thing but what it really boils down to is you know these certain human emotions that harley can fulfill in ways that not very many other things can. Jim, thank you so much. Uh, it was great chatting with you and uh, a lot of great pointers came.
so that's it guys i hope you are enjoying your weekend and taking good care of yourself i'm gonna leave you with this line from khalil gibran that trees are poems that the earth writes upon the sky trees are poems that the earth writes upon the sky so i hope you can look at the trees not in the same way anymore and know the kind of wisdom they have take care and have a great weekend